Thank you, music team. What a beautiful job. What a great stuff. It's great seeing Pastor Jimmy on the drums. It's been a while. It's good seeing Al on the bass again. Fantastic. It's, um, it's great to see Shell um, on the multi as well. Thank you, those guys, helping us be able to read the lyrics so we can uh, sing it. I remember when I first heard that, that song that we just sang then on the album from the Belonging Code, because I was listening to it and I didn't see the lyrics, my lyrics were a lot different. But now I've uh, finally retrained myself to sing it correctly. But hey, if it's your, it's your first time at One Heart Church, we're so glad you're here. Um, this morning we've run, we've have run, we'll run three services. So we've had our 9am, so for those that maybe didn't put their clocks back, this is actually the 1030 um, but we've also got an 11 a.m. service in Ellison happening shortly as well, which is very, very exciting. Our um, lead pastors, Rob and Pauline Santos Stefano, they are in Wayala this morning, ministering at the ACC church there called Life Unlimited, which is very cool as well. Um, a few weeks ago, if you were here, you would have seen um, Pastor David and Loris Becker. She ministered at the women's retreat. He preached at church. And so now they've gone a bit of a church fop, and now they're preaching there this week. So that's really really cool and exciting things. How cool is it as a church that we can do stuff like that, that we can release our pastors to preach somewhere else, and we still got Ellison running with Pastor Kylie, our Bible college facilitator, uh, preaching there. We got the service happening here. We have exciting things happening in One Heart Church. It's a great church to be a part of, and I'm loving being here. So if you've never met me before, Josh, church, Josh. So I have the privilege of running our youth ministry, and we got some exciting things happening in youth uh, tonight we eat, we are uh, we're going to the fast food. Zambreros or KFC, take your pick, and we're going to eat out. And then this week, for those that are coming, we've got the Youth Alive Conference in Adelaide. So be praying into that for us, church. Pray that young people get have their hearts set on fire, afresh, that we can see awesome things take place here because we have a young people, a young generation, keen to encounter God and do something in their generation. Those watching online, I prophesy, be blessed. May God meet you in your life. Amen. That's for you, Mariah. My sister Mariah, who's moved to Melbourne, she used to run our kids' ministry. She's always saying to me, when's one heart going online? So I'm prophesying it. Camera, God's going to speak to you right now. That's for you, Mariah. Thank you. So last week, I was very disappointed. I didn't get one message from any of you saying, missed church, Josh, because I wasn't here. But that's all right. I've dealt with that. I've, so last week, I was away because I was at a wedding. Who's ever been to a wedding? I hope some of you have been married. I've been to Guy and Alicia's wedding recently. That was a great time. I had blonde hair at the time. Thankfully, it's grown past that. But so at weddings, many things take place, right? We see you may kiss the bride. That's like one of the major parts of the wedding. That still makes me a bit cringy. You kiss the bride. There's um, the, the rings. That's a very important part of the wedding. You can't lose the rings. There's photos, videography, food. Amen. If you if you are uh, that way inclined, dancing. There's so many awesome things that happen at a wedding. Music, and uh, but and and a lot of these things create good memories. Yes, but can I tell you the purpose of a wedding is for marriage. Hmm. It's not just to make memories. It's for marriage. And there's another word for marriage called a covenant, right? And so marriages are about a covenant. It's not just about making memories. It's about a covenant. Interesting word there, covenant. And so today I want to speak about the power of the covenant and the positive effects that God's covenant brings to us as believers. And so if if you're unfamiliar with the word covenant, a covenant is an agreement between two or more people 
and usually they are mutually beneficial and they are often legally binding. So that is what a covenant is. And then in 1 Samuel 17, it's probably the most classic biblical account um, story that you've ever heard of David and Goliath. As, uh, if I've got people in this building that have heard of the names David and Goliath. Yes, yeah, so when you, go, in your own time, I encourage you, open up your Bible, do a YouTube rabbit hole deep dive into 1 Samuel 17 to get all the details that I may not share this morning. But, I, but it is, if you've been to kids ministry, you've heard of David and Goliath. If you've been in a church circle more than a year, you would have heard of David and Goliath. And the, the, the story is set in 1 Samuel 17. We've got two mountains. We've got two peaks. On one side, you've got the Philistine army. And then on the other side, you've got the armies of Israel occupying the mountain. So it's good to see you, Toy. Nice, fresh cut there. Best looking cut in the One Heart Church. Sorry, I got distracted by the freshness of um, Toyin's hair. So the... There, there's, a, there's a valley running in between these two mountains, obviously. You can't, otherwise it would be a plateau, it would be one mountain. So there's a valley in between the mountains. And so then uh, the, the, these, these two opposing armies, Israelites and Philistines, are facing each other off with the valley in between. And so then for 40 days and 40 nights, now who's ever been a child and counted down to Christmas or counted down to your birthday? It's like, for me, it's like the 300-something days for my birthday coming up. That is a long time. But can I tell you, when, for a child, when it's coming up to Christmas, 40 days, that is a long time when you start eating those chocolates out of those calendar things. And it's like the, the countdown is 40 days, that is a long time. 40 days, that is, um, that is a habit being set in place there. That you'd wake up, look across the, the, the mountain, oh, they're still there. For 40 days, 40 nights, they're in this cycle of waking up, oh, yep, the army was still here. We, this, this wasn't a dream. This is the, the continuation. And then this big man giant, this, this war machine, this juggernaut of a man, Goliath, would, would rise up from the Philistine ranks in the fog and he'd start uh, uh, raising his voice and taunting the armies of Israel. And he'd, he would, uh, he would uh, say, what's it like down there, Israelites? Hold your breath. Hold your tongue. Don't worry about responding. However it is, it doesn't matter. It's going to be ours. So for 40 days and 40 nights, this, this giant man, Goliath, this war machine, this juggernaut, would come and intimidate the nation of Israel night after and day after day for 40 days. And the, so we see there, that's, that's the story that we get set in 1 Samuel 17. But the, the interesting thing that I notice is the war, this battle, was over land. The, the conquest is going, who is going to occupy this space? Is this land going to belong to the Philistines or is this land going to be occupied by the Israelites? And then the, the thing is now we live in 2021. So this was before, years and years before then, years and years before Jesus. So we're talking about a long time again. We get to a situation in, um, I think it's Genesis 15 and 17. There's a man named Abram and God makes a covenant with this man called Abram. And he says, you know what? First of all, not, I'm not just going to make a covenant with you, but I'm going to change your name to Abraham. And this land is going to belong to you and your descendants. This land is going to belong to your ancestors. And so now these Israelites are occupying this land, but the Philistines are wanting to make claim to the land that was belonged by covenant to Abraham and his descendants. And so it's funny now, we, well, it's not funny, it's just an interesting fact, that we live in our, in our day, in our generations, we see the nation of Israel consistently, that land is under threat. That land is, the question is being asked, 
who will occupy this space? Who will occupy this land? Because it's, it's not, it doesn't matter what the, the, the U.S. government says. It doesn't matter what the U.N. says. There was a covenant from God to the Jews that says, this land belongs to you. And so it wasn't just an issue back in uh, 1 Samuel 17. We see this issue in our generation today about who will occupy that little section of land in the Middle East. So it's, it's very interesting. And so... Uh, when we read, though, 1 Samuel 17, there is a phrase recorded twice that I think is often ignored and skimmed past, which I think holds for us huge significance and truth. And so there the, the Bible verses there for reference, 1 Samuel 17, 26 and verses 36, and I'll, I'll read them. David asked the man standing near him, what will be done for the man who kills this Philistine and removes this disgrace from Israel? Who is this uncircumcised Philistine and what and that he should defy the armies of the living God? The next verse. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them because he has defiled the armies of the living God. It's very interesting. So this young ruddy David refers to this juggernaut war machine Goliath as this uncircumcised Philistine. Hmm. Now, if we we break that down a little bit, um, that like it, it's a powerful thing to ponder when we, to break it down. When you think about this, this uncircumcised Philistine is is David just calling Goliath names? Was he verbally abusing Goliath? Um, is he being derogatory? Possibly, Phil, being Philistine was his nationality. But the thing is, circumcision was a sign of the covenant. Circumcision was actually the mark of the covenant, the covenant between God and his people. And so this young, ruddy David understood the Philistines are not part of the covenant. They are not part of the deal. They, they have no legal claim to this land, right? That's, David understood the covenant. He said, I'm marked. I'm a part of what God's promised. And this Goliath has no part in it. This Goliath, if God has said this is mine, Goliath has nothing to say that he can take hold of this because God is with us. So David was saying, what is this uncircumcised man doing? He is outside the covenant. We are inside the covenant. He is excluded and we are included. Our names are in the covenant. Why is he threatening us? How dare he threaten us? Why is he trying to dominate us? How dare he dominate us? Why is he challenging us? How dare he challenge us? We are in the covenant with God if God is for us, who uh, and, and God is on our side. And we've got to understand that the, the covenant is greater than Goliath because God is greater than Goliath. And David understood that. Um, David says, I'll fight him because the battle is the Lord's. I'll fight him because the power of the covenant. And so as New Testament believers, often in church we'll have a thing called communion. That's not a snack in church. That is proclaiming the covenant that we are now under, the covenant that was that was marked by the blood of Jesus. Jesus' blood was spilled, he died on the cross, and it was uh, confirmed by the resurrection of Jesus. We, many men and women died on crosses in the day, but Jesus was the one that rose again, and that's what confirmed the covenant. And I'm so thankful that I now, as a New Testament believer in Jesus, can align myself to that covenant and go, God, I thank you for the victory, the promises that you bring in my life, because I'm in the covenant from Jesus. And if Jesus claimed his covenant blessing, we can claim our covenant blessing. And so what is the, cov 
what is the power of the covenant and how does the power of the covenant work in our lives. Point one, there's victory in the covenant. There is victory in the covenant. The covenant guarantees victory in battle. Jesus says in John 16, 33, this is one of those Bible verses, if you could rip it out, cross it out, you would, right? It says this, in this Jesus says, in this world, you will have trouble. What are you saying, Jesus? In this world, you'll have trouble. Now, I want the Bible verse that says, in this world, you'll have ice cream for breakfast, lunch, and dinner, and you won't get fat. Amen, somebody? I want the Bible verse that says, in this world, everything's going to go well for you. In this world, you're going to draw a picture and people are going to pay top dollar. I want the, whatever the, the dream is, in this world, you're never going to have to work again and you can just spend time on leisure. I want that Bible verse. But Jesus doesn't say that. Jesus doesn't say anywhere, come follow me and life is, and all your, your Willy Wonka imaginations are going to come true. He doesn't say that. He says, in this world, you will have trouble. Mm, thanks, Jesus. So, welcome to another all Jesus adventure. And sometimes the road is uphill. Sometimes there are difficulties on the journey. Sometimes there would be obstacles in our path. Sometimes we would meet people who want to, uh, us to fail. And sometimes we're going to meet people that deliberately want to harm us. That's not cool. It's not fun. But that is the life in the world that we live in. But Jesus says, in the world you'll have trouble. But, and so what trouble we could have? Difficulties, opposition, distress, suffering. But take heart. Because I have overcome the world. Jesus is saying to us, there's victory in the covenant. The covenant that I made with you by dying on the cross doesn't mean, yes, there's going to be issues come our way, but those things don't define our lives. The covenant, the spilled blood of Jesus, defines what life we get to choose to be a part of. That is so fantastic. And you know what? If there's no battles, there's going to be no victories. If there's no lack, there's going to be no supernatural supply. If there's no problems, there can be no answers. If there's no sickness, there can be no healing. If there's no night, there'll be no morning. And if there's no giants, there'll be no great victories. And so can I tell you, for whatever troubles that we face in Life One Heart Church, I believe that is a perfect place that we can rely on the covenant that God has given to us. Say, God, we take claim of our covenant and we believe this is the place of victory. This is a place where your name can be made famous. And I'm believing that. No, I don't pray problems on our lives, but I believe that we, can, we serve a supernatural God that is true to his covenant and we can see miracles take place. Amen. There we go. Thank you. The church is clapping for me. There are, there are battles, there is opposition, there are challenges and there are mountains to climb. And there are Goliaths who stand in our way, dominating, intimidating and challenging us. But victory is in the covenant. There's an interesting story in, in uh, two, two Kings where there's a man called Elisha and his servant Gehazi, and they're in this little house. Gehazi opens the door, looks out, gets back inside because he sees the whole countryside is um, filled with this enemy army wanting to arrest him and, and take, take him away. And so then uh, Elisha understood something. He understood he was in a covenant. He understood that God has, has better things in store for his life. And so he says, he simply grabs um, Gehazi and says, Gehazi, speak, and speak to God, God, open his eyes. And then Gehazi's eyes are open to the supernatural and he sees that despite the hordes of armies, there's a much greater army of the heaven's armies surrounding the, this natural enemy. And Elisha helped 
Gehazi get the understanding that, you know what, because of the covenant that we have, God has got a bigger army on our side. There's, there's no, no physical, uh, worldly attack can attack us in a way that God doesn't have the, uh, the resource to push back. I, I think that is, that's exciting because there's victory in the covenant. Everyone loves a good underdog story. You, I'm sure you, you could list on your hand five movies that have an underdog story. Often we see it in sports. There's a, um, a, a weaker, wimpier, smaller team that upsets the favourite, the champs, the, the elite, the pros. And, but David and Goliath was the ultimate underdog story. David and Goliath was the original underdog story. And we see that uh, David was the original giant killer. And it's not necessarily about the underdog. The, the story, when we read this, it's not just going about, well, oh, it's a great underdog story. Woo, good job, David. No, but it's going, because we could see David as being this slow tortoise that, that won the race, and Goliath was the fast hare, but it's not, it has nothing to do with the good moral of the underdog winning and getting around him. It was David had a simple understanding of the covenant, that this uncircumcised Philistine, he goes, I'm a child of God. I'm a child in the covenant. doesn't matter what you say. God is on my side. And what doesn't matter what happens. God's got this because there's victory in the covenant. And I don't want, I don't know what giants stand in your way. I don't know what Goliath is shouting at you. I don't, whatever it is that raises its voice and speaks lies into your circumstances. It could be the giant of despair, fear, anxiety. It could be the giants of depression that steal our peace help us being unable to sleep. It may be hopelessness, discouragement that says, give up, run away, stop trying, why bother? You can have all these things bombarding us. But we've got to understand there's victory in the covenant. You may face health challenges. You may battle with your emotions. There may be family issues or financial challenges. But I want to declare to you this morning that there's victory in the covenant. Jesus didn't die on the cross purely just to save us from our sins, which he did. But he's died on the cross to be able to see breakthroughs and victories in our lives and in those circumstances. So this week, when doubts try to overwhelm you, remember the covenant. God promises victory in every battle and God promises victory for your battle. And that's why the Bible says, they overcome him, the devil. We overcome the devil by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. Greater is he who's in me than he who's in the world. And if God be for us, who can be against us? We've got to understand that there's victory in the covenant. Ready for point two? There's identity in the covenant. The covenant clarifies our identity. So the whole army of, of Israel, this nation, uh, we, we see Goliath will come up 40 days and 40 uh, morning. Israel, you little chickens. I'm going to cook you up like KFC, whatever he's taught is saying them. And we see, we see these, this Israelite army. These are men of war. These are meant to be men of courage, shaking, timid, going, how are we going to cope? They didn't understand their identity. They, they were all marked. They all had the sign of the covenant, but they didn't realize it. How, how sad is that? And how sad is it if there's a church that has the covenant of the blood of Jesus and we don't understand our identity? But it's interesting so the, the, the narrative is a little bit um, piggledy-piggledy like a curly-whirly chocolate bar where it's not really in chronological order. But we see David, he gets anointed to become the next king of Israel. 
And so this, this prophet Samuel goes to Bethlehem, I believe it is, where Jesse, David's dad, is and says, hey, mate, I'm here to anoint one of your sons as king. Bring him in and we'll, um, we'll, we'll work out who it is. And so then all these eight brothers rock up, but there's no David. David was left, was left behind. Jesse thought, my son David has no chance of being king. It's, it's, it's such a sad situation. Um, and so he was um, overlooked, undervalued. But it's interesting, though he was overlooked and undervalued in man's eyes, God looked at his heart. Then David's at the army, doing his duty, delivering some cheese, delivering some freshly cooked grain. Um, and, it, and then he, he hears his Goliath's voice. And he goes, um, well, I'll, I'll stand up. I'll, I'll be the one that takes out this giant. And it's his brothers who are in the army say to him, why have you come here? Who's looking after those few sheep in the desert? I know how conceited you are and how wicked your heart is. Then, then he gets to King Saul and says, King Saul, I'll, I'll stand up. I'll do your job. You're the king. I'll do your job and defend our nation. And um, King Saul replies, you're not able to fight him. You're only a boy. Goliath has uh, been a fighting man since his youth. David is questioned, who are you? Who do you think you are? Just go home. Go back to this sh- your sheep. Get back in your box. But David understood the covenant, and he understood the covenant clarifies his identity. Samuel saw a young shepherd. God saw a king. His brothers saw a boy with a conceited heart. God saw someone with a heart after his. Saul uh, saw he was totally unable to fight Goliath, but God saw a giant killer. And David knew that his identity did not depend on what others thought about him. His identity was in the covenant. And I love that. Romans 8.15, it's going to be on the screen, I believe, and it says this. The spirit you have received does not make you slaves, so you live in fear again. Rather, we have received the spirit of sonship, and by um, by him we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now we are children, then we are heirs. Heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. That is amazing, that, that we are actually children of God. The even more astonishing thing with that is to be a co-heir with Christ means whatever God gave to Jesus, God gives to us. Whatever God gave to Jesus, God gives to you. So if Jesus did it, we can do it. If it belongs to Jesus, it belongs to me. Now that is an amazing covenant te- identifier. If, if Jesus lived that life, and I'm in that covenant with Jesus, I believe I can live that kind of life. That gets me excited on a Sunday morning. That gets me excited to go, God, I want, the, the ident- I want to have my identity in the covenant like David had his in the covenant, that I live a life like Jesus. Because I can be a co-heir with Jesus and a son of God. Wow, what belongs to Jesus belongs to me. And so do you know who you are, church? Are you a child of God? Are you an heir of Jesus, or of God, sorry, a co-heir, an equal with Jesus? Because our identity is because of the covenant. And so we were once sinners, but now we were forgiven. We were lost, and now we were found. We were dead in sins, but now we are alive in Christ. We were slaves, but now we, were free. we are free. We were condemned, but now we are justified. We might have been hopeless, but now we are strong. We were lonely, but now we have a family. 
We were down and now we can move forward. I want to prophesy that over people that life has said, you know what, you can't move forward. But I believe God's got something more for you to walk into and press into and believe that God can take you where no one could go previously. We were broken, but now we have been made whole. We were in darkness, but now we walk in the light. That is fantastic. I believe for conviction in our church that we, where we once were walking in darkness, God's going to illuminate new direction, new path, new brighter days. We were slaves, but now we are sons. We had no future. Now we have an inheritance. We were bound for hell. Now heaven is our home. Mm, come on, somebody. We were ruled by Satan. Now he's under our feet. We were defeated. Now we live in victory. And it's all because of the covenant. It's all because of the blood of Jesus. It's all because of his amazing grace, his sacrifice, that his love and the empty tomb, we now have identity in the covenant. So we've got to stop seeing ourselves as others see you. We've got to stop seeing ourselves as everybody else sees ourselves. Our world is, is, a, is like an Israelite generation, just going to and from the, the 40 days, wake up, uh, depressed, go back to sleep, wake up, uh, helpless, go back to sleep. That's what the nation was living in. But it's time that Daniels rise up and go, you know what, we're not just going to live this wake up, sleep, repeat, depressed, sad. No, I understand the covenant that Jesus lived, it's given me, and I'm going to step into something new in my generation, in my nation, because I understand the identity that Christ has died to give me. Oh, yeah, and so it, David wasn't just some sunburnt teenage shepherd. He was a giant killer, but his identity was found in the covenant. And I love what it says in Matthew twelve thirty four. Jesus says, depending on what translation, from the overflow or the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And so I'm not just saying we want to have positive self-talk. That, that doesn't mean anything. But we want to have our identity, our identity found in the covenant that changes the way we think in our heart, that our mouth will start to declare, will start to overflow, will abound in new language. Because we go, no, God, no longer I'm going to be like, I can't get a job. No longer I'm going to have the declaration, I can never succeed. Because I've got the identity of Christ that says, you know what, he's for me. He's got something better in store for me. I want that language to overflow, and it overflows when we align ourselves to the, uh, our identity found in the covenant. So every day this week, you've got to remind yourself, I'm in the covenant. Every morning, you've got to remind yourself, Jesus died for me. Jesus has got something better in store for me. But every day this week, we've got to realign ourselves with the identity we have in the covenant. That was purchased by the blood of Jesus. That was confirmed with his resurrection. And so this week, we confess, I am washed. I am clean. I am free. I am saved. I, I am bound for heaven. Heaven is my home. I am justified. I am sanctified. I'm a child of God. I'm an equal heir with Jesus. If God did it for him, he can do it for me. I am the head and not the tail. I'm a winner, not a loser. I will lend and not borrow. I love it in Proverbs where it says that um, the, the, the borrower is slave to the lender. I believe for One Heart Church, we're not going to be uh, people uh, slaves to the bank for a mortgage, but we're going to make money. We're going to say, you know what, bank, we don't need a mortgage. We're going to buy this house cash. I believe in miracles like that in this church. By his grace, I'm a giant killer. Our identity is in the covenant. Mm. Last point as the media team comes back to bless us. The covenant leaves a legacy. There is legacy in the covenant. 
In 2 Samuel uh, chapter 4 and 9, we, we're introduced to, a, I believe it is, yeah, 2 Samuel 4 and 9, I believe, there's a man called Mephibosheth. That's a tongue tie one. Mephibosheth. Now, Mephibosheth was what, what um, his father were, was this man named Jonathan. And then Jonathan's father was King Saul. So Mephibosheth was destined to rule the nation of Israel. Mephibosheth was next in line after his father to be king. Now that is a cool family to be born into. If you're going to pick the lottery, that is the one to pick. I choose to be the son of Jonathan, to be the Mephibosheth, the next king of Israel. And so uh, then one day King Saul and Jonathan are in battle, in war, and they both tragically die. One minute, Mephibosheth, the world is bright. The birds are singing. The next day, everything changes. Everything that was once solid, sure, was sinking sand. And then the the story continues to get sadder that the news reaches the nurse of Mephibosheth. And the nurse says, all right, we've got to get out of here. We've got to skedaddle. We've got to run because the enemies that's killed your father and your grandfather, they're coming after you, Mephibosheth. So the nurse grabs this young five-year-old Mephibosheth, starts bolting for it, and in the hush, uh, in the rush, sorry, in, in, in the craziness, in the hustle, she, poor Mephibosheth is dropped and is, it gets um, his legs broken. He becomes a cripple and can never walk again. And so we see this horrible, sad situation of poor Mephibosheth. One morning, he, he's a future king of Israel. The next day, he's, he, his legs are crippled. The next day, he can't even walk by himself. And none of it was his own doing. He didn't, he didn't kill his grandfather. He didn't kill his father. He didn't drop himself. All of these horrible things came his way. But there's legacy in the covenant. What do I mean by that? There's, so Jonathan was friends with David. Jonathan was good mates with this man named uh, jo- Jonathan. So Jonathan and David were his buddies. And it's interesting Jonathan had some sort of uh, a supernatural discernment and said, you know what, David, I know that I'm next in line to king, but I know that God's got something on your life and you're going to be the next king of Israel. So they, they come to this agreement and says, well, whatever happens, Jonathan, whether you become king or David, whether you become king, let's promise each other that we're going to protect our families, that our, our, our families will be protected. Either way, whoever becomes king, because we understand back in those times that the new dynasty would rise up and they'd wipe out the old dynasty. Similar to the, the when you watch lion documentaries. The new lions come to town and they get rid of the, the old lions because they're saying, no, we're setting up our dynasty and this old dynasty doesn't belong here. But David and Jonathan made a covenant that said, we're not going to wipe each other out. We're not enemies. We are friends. And whatever happens, we're going to make sure that our, our dynasty will remain because we're not the enemy. So then it's interesting because then um, there's about seven years of civil war. So Saul and, and Jonathan die, and then the southern tribe of Israel, Judah, say, you know what, David? We, Saul's dead. We're not going to have nobody as king. We want you, David, the war hero, to become our new king. So then David's crowned king, and then the nation of Israel goes into a, a, a seven-year season of civil war where it says that uh, the house of David grew stronger and stronger, and the house of Saul weaker and weaker. So after the seven years of civil war, David is eventually crowned king over all of Israel. 
And then it's not clear in Scripture, but at one point in time, David is reminded, I made a covenant with Jonathan. I'm king now, but I made a promise to Jonathan that his family would, would not be wiped out, that his family would be protected. His family would be cared for. So it says that um, if there's anyone left in the house, so he, he, he asked the people around him, well, um, I made a, a covenant with my mate Jonathan. Is there anyone left from Saul's family that I can show honor to? Is there anyone left from Saul's family that I can bless because I made a covenant? And then word travels around and they go, David, there's a, a, a young man named Mephibosheth and he is the son of Jonathan. And so then, uh, so um, David said, is, is there anyone left of the house of Saul that I can show kindness for Jonathan's sake? And so then David says, bring Mephibosheth from Lodabar to me. Bring him back to me because I want to show love, care, value, respect because I made a covenant with his father. And it, it, it's, it's amazing to me. So Mephibosheth was crippled. He had lost his family home, their lands, his inheritance. He is broken and bankrupt. A, a, a nowhere man living in a nowhere place. But the king says, bring him to me. Bring this no one to me. Bring bring Mephibosheth. I want to bless him. And and it's and it's interesting. Mephibosheth is in this. He he has no idea about the covenant. He has no idea about what was what was promised in the generations before with his father and Jonathan, his father Jonathan and David. And it says that um, Jonathan, uh, sorry, David is approaching Mephibosheth, and Mephibosheth says this: um, What a, what does the king want with a dead dog like me? Don't bother killing me. I'm just a dead dog, crippled. I am no rival to your throne. I'm no rival to your dynasty. Why would you waste your time on me? But David's like, no, 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 Mephibosheth. I'm not interested in you to kill you. I, I made a covenant with your father, uh, your father, and I, there's a legacy there that I'm going to bless you, that I want something better in your, in your future. And that is so fantastic. And so uh, what, he didn't know that there was a covenant, and he was included. Not only is there victory in the covenant, not only is there identity in the covenant, but we've got to understand there's legacy in the covenant. And because of the covenant, David restored everything. And so Saul's old, old servant became Mephibosheth's servant. The farm was his. The house was his. And not only that, Mephibosheth got to eat at the king's table. Everything was restored back to Mephibosheth because of the covenant. And can I tell you, um, God is much better than David. It says in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 13, if we are unfaithful, God remains faithful, for he cannot deny who he is. Wow, that is powerful. You know what? If a man, David, if the, the, despite the dysfunctions and issues that David had, if he could keep his covenant, there's a God in heaven that will far greatly exceedingly keep the covenant he made to us. And I, I want to tell you, One Heart Church, it's time for us to uh, understand, like David on the battlefield, my identity in Jesus, in the covenant, my my victory in the covenant isn't just for those things, but this will leave a legacy in this covenant. It was promised to my grandfather Abraham, great, 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 great my ancestor Abraham. Well, this land belongs to me because I have legacy in the covenant. And can I tell you, I believe for One Heart Church, as families, as individuals, we can set new legacies because of the covenant. What used to be uh, chain and, and holding back our 
our previous ancestors, we can cut that off and go, you know what, there's a new legacy for my family. There's a new legacy for my generations because I'm in the covenant. There's a new legacy for Port Lincoln. I'm so grateful for the legacy of the early church forefathers that for the last 2,000 years, we're here because of their legacy. But I believe that it's not just for them, for us. We, like a David, can say, you know what, I'm going to stand up to see legacy take place, see a covenant legacy in our generation. Who believes that? Why don't we stand to our feet? So this week, don't look at what you've got now. Look at the legacy that God has promised for your future. Look at the legacy that God's got down the road. We can get so caught up in the here and now going, look at the giant, look at the fear, look at the voice. But David understood, this belongs to me. This this is actually mine. If God is for us, no giant can be against us. And I'm believing that we're going to see breakthroughs this morning, that we're going to see people understanding that there's victory in the covenant, there's identity in the covenant, and there is a legacy in the covenant. And we've got to take ownership of our legacy. It says that David, with David and Goliath, that David ran quickly towards him. What courage, what confidence. But it wasn't his ability with the sling. It was his knowledge of what is in the covenant. Victory, identity, and legacy. So why don't you just raise your hands to heaven right now. I'm going to pray over us as a people. God, we thank you that there's victory in the covenant. We thank you that but your blood wasn't spilled for nothing, but it opened up the doors of victory in our lives where shame, guilt, condemnation want to yell at us. God, we thank you that your blood silences those voices where, where, where the world would want to corrupt our lives, where the world would want to uh, get us off track. We thank you that there's victory in your name. There's victory through your resurrection that we can have hope, that we can see a breakthrough, that we can, that despite the trouble, despite the battles that come tomorrow, we have the capacity to stand tall and face those things head on and see you take and make a way. God, why don't you put your hands on your chest? God, right now, we thank you that there's identity in the covenant. God, we pray for any false way of thinking, any false confession that we've declared over our life. We, we can't do it. We, we, we will never pass that test. We will, we will never get a better job. God, we thank you that there's identity in the covenant and that we can take hold of what you've taken hold for us. Where, where, where the, the enemy would say, you know what, we're going to challenge you. We're gonna, no, we thank you, God, that we're not going to be the nation of Israel that had the access to the covenant but didn't, didn't apply it. God, we want to receive it, apply it, and live free and live with breakthrough because of your power and your touch in our lives. And finally, God, we thank you that there's legacy in the covenant, that our lives aren't just about the here and now in our generation, but our lives are about what happens in the future. God, we thank you for the men and women of old, that their their prayers, their fasting, their sacrifice, we're living in their legacy. But God, we thank you that your covenant has a legacy for our kids and their grandkids and their grandkids. And we thank you, God, that we're going to see chains broken off our legacy, that we're going to see alcohol addiction broken, drug drug addiction broken, that we're going to see shame, all the things that want to keep us and bind us, God. We thank you that there's going to be new legacy because of the covenant, because of what communion does. We can see resurrection power at work in our lives, in our generation, in our church. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Why don't we sing?